Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church's podcast. We are so excited to present our new sermon series, You Asked For It, where we hit the top six topics requested by all of you. This week, we're covering how to help you share your faith. Hope you enjoy. But this morning, we have an exciting, exciting new series that we are beginning. And the series is called You Asked For It. You Asked For It. And what happened is earlier in this year, back in Easter, back during the time of Easter, we uh, submitted, we uh, rather, we collected some questions uh, similar to a survey of questions from the church provided by you all, questions that you all would, would wanna, uh, want the church to talk about or questions that maybe you had that you wanted to know. What does the Bible say about this particular subject or question? And so then we collected all the questions and we gathered them, we organized them, and we selected, we, we categorized them, and we selected the top six questions that you asked, and we're going to be talking about them for the next six weeks. And this would be a great, great time. You, you don't want to miss any particular Sunday. But this particular Sunday, uh, I'm going to be talking on the first question, which is, how do I share my faith? How do I share my faith and Jesus would often uh, he would he would his a lot of his sermons or messages would come from people's questions and so this is why we thought it'd be a great idea to do this but but this particular question is is a question that really makes uh, us proud as your pastors pastor JJ and myself that you would want to know how do I share my faith because this isn't one of those questions like well how do I how do I get something more for me or how do I get more blessings for me but this is a question of you wanting to take more people, more of your friends and family members to heaven along with you. And this is a phenomenal, phenomenal question. And the Bible obviously has so much to say about this. But we believe very strongly that this question is is being birthed out of you very much possibly because you have understood, you have understood that we have, have a great commission to share our faith with this world. If you have your Bibles in the book of Mark chapter 16, Book of Mark, chapter 16, is where we're going to begin reading. And I'm going to be sharing with you some verses this morning. This morning, on your way in, you should have received a worship guide and a pen. If you would like to take some notes, you're more than welcome to. We're going to be visiting different passages in in the Scripture. Book of Mark, chapter 16, is where we're going to start reading. On verse 15, and it says the following. Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. This is the Great Commission. This is our assignment. This is our homework. I know, young people, you don't want to hear that word right now, right? But this is our, this is what we must do. This is what God has commissioned us to do. It's called the Great Commission. We must go everywhere, not just around the world, not just over the sea, but even across the streets. Sometimes we can fall into the trap or the mindset of, being so focused on wanting to save people on on the other side of the world. But hey, what about that person on the other side of your block? What about the person, what about the the family next to, to where you live? What about that apartment complex? What about the people that you work with? What about your neighbor? And God is saying here, hey, go everywhere into the world and tell them the good news. The gospel is good news. 
And just the same way, like when, whenever you visit a restaurant that you really enjoy, what do you do? You tell people about it, right? You don't even wait to leave the restaurant. You're already posting uh, pictures online, right? You ever seen people like that? It's like, you know, I mean, you're just, this is the greatest burger of my life, right? And you write captions like that, uh, you know, and, and, and you, you tell people about it. Man, I walked in one way. I was hungry, hungry, and I, I left, I left satisfied. I left nine months, you know, pregnant. You know, like, I, le- I couldn't walk the same way. Like, I, just was, I'm definitely coming back. This past Wednesday, uh, my family and I, my wife, who's sitting here in the front row, Zelly, and my mother-in-law, who's visiting us from Miami uh, for the weekend, uh, we, 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 moved in, we moved into our, our new house, our new place, uh, this past uh, Wednesday. And so we were still setting up. We were still kind of getting uh, everything situated and, and, and everything's in boxes. So we were just like, hey, well, let's just go out to eat. And so we, we went to a place, uh, just kind of getting to know our area, right? And so we went to a place, and, and man, we had such good food and, and, and such great service. That I, I, mean, I even posted it online. I was like, man, this is good. This is some good food. Why? Because when something's good, when you love something, when something is, it, 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 you just, you had a great experience. You just can't help but share that. You can't tell, you can't help but tell somebody, hey, you need to try this product. You need to go see this movie. You need to go to have vacation in this particular place. The, the gospel is good news. We must become contagious in wanting to share that good news with everyone that we come across. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It says the following: 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. We are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. I love this verse. If you have a highlighter or a pen or mascara or something, feel free to put a little star next to this verse because it's some good stuff. We are Christ ambassadors. An ambassador is is a representative. It's someone who is sent on a mission. He he or she is, is, is an extension of the one who's, who, who's sending them. The Bible says that you and I, we are Christ's ambassadors to this world. You're not at your job by accident. You're not at your school by accident. You're not in the family or the neighborhood or the community that you're at by accident, but you've been sent there on purpose. Scripture says you, my friend, you, you and I, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through our lives. Some people might not ever come into Journey Church necessarily, but Journey Church can go to them. And it can go through them through so many ways, but it's going even through you. As you go to work, as you carry out your life, as, as, as you're at the gas station pumping gas, however, the people that you come across, you really believe that nothing happens by accident, but again, we're being sent by God as his ambassadors to spread the good news. We are, somebody one time said, we are Jesus with skin on. We are, we are Jesus with skin on. There was a little, there's a story of a little girl who was one time very shaken at night because there was a thunderstorm outside and, and, and she kept coming to her mom's bedroom and, and knocking and, 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 you know, families with smaller children, you might know what I'm talking about. You know, can I, can I, mom, can, can I please, uh, uh, can I get in bed with you? Can I sleep here? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm small. I won't take too much space. Can, can I come in here with you? 
Mom's like, no, it's, I mean, the storm's going to stop soon. It's going to be okay. Like, just go back to your room. You're going to be all right. And, and so she went back, but then she came back a few moments later, and the thunder had not stopped. And, and this happened a couple of times, and finally the mom was like, well, she's like, Jesus is with you. Like, like you know, that's going to be the answer, right? Jesus is with you. Go back, and you're going to be okay. And the little girl kind of just looked back at her and said, well, I know Jesus is with me, but I need Jesus with skin on right now. She was referring to her mom. Like, I know Jesus is with me, but I need, so- I need somebody I can see and lay with right now. And so she ended up getting into the bed. What am I saying is that we, you and I, we are, we are Jesus with skin on to the people who might not ever walk into Journey Church. We're the people who we go to school with, people that we have conversations with. I mean, we, we, are, we, are, we have something that this world needs, and it's, and it's important that we would become those ambassadors. We would walk out that life purpose over our life. In the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, another great scripture, and it says the following, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You've got to be ready. It's going to happen. They might not come straight up and say, hey, tell me about Jesus, but maybe they might ask a question. They might begin to open up and tell you something that maybe they're going through, and there are opportunities in our lives, and we've just got to continue to pray that we would stay sensitive to the leading of God, that we would, when we be able to hear certain uh, comments or questions or people that we meet, we'd be able to tell them about the love of Jesus. If we're going to care for people, if we're going to win as many people as we can for the cause of Christ, I believe it would be a great idea to care for people the way that Jesus cared for people. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you about, I want to share with you three particular ways that we can share our faith with others. Again, if you're taking notes, number one, the first thing that we can do is we can connect with people. There's a statement that you might have heard before, and it says, connect before you correct. Because correction, you know, when we're correcting someone else, that that's usually comes easier. Like, we're quick to see what's wrong. We're quick to see, you know what, oh, they need to stop doing that. They need to start doing that. Hey, you, need, you, need to, you better behave. I'm watching you, right? I mean, the correction comes a, a little bit more naturally. But to be effective, uh, to, to be able to share our faith effectively, we must be able to connect with others. And Jesus was the great, Jesus is the great connector. And, and I love this because as you read about his life in the Gospels, you see that he never compromised the truth, but yet sinners were always around him. Sinners were always wanting to spend time with him. And it wasn't because he would say, hey, you know what, live your life the way you want to. Or, hey, it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, just go and have fun. Now, he would tell them, he would tell them what was right and what was wrong. But again, he was the great connector. They just loved spending time with him because he saw how much, how much they would care, how much he cared for them. People don't necessarily care how much you know, but they rather they want to know how much you care. Before correcting others, before correcting that person and telling them the, the, the 10 things that are wrong with them, have you connected with them? 
Have you made it, have you taken the initiative to get to know them just a little bit better? And I love our church for so many reasons, but two in particular, Excuse me. Two in particular is because our church is intentional in, 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 sh- in showing care for our community. A couple of weeks ago, we just had Love Day, and it was a phenomenal success. So many parts of our community were blessed by, by you and by others who were just showing God's love by serving. And there was people cleaning, and I saw people on roofs of houses and, and people moving boxes and just uh, helping in, in different uh, other organizations and nonprofits. It was phenomenal. And then coming up, as Pastor JJ just mentioned, we also have a Serve Saturday, which is going to be happening every first Saturday of the month. And so you don't have to wait till next year for Love Day, but you can, you can join us every first Saturday of the month, and we're going to go and continue to share God's love with people. Why? Because as we show God's love to people, that opens the door for them to be willing to hear from us. As we connect with them, as we show them that we care, that opens the door that, okay, you know what, why are you doing this? How much do I have to pay you? And you, you would be surprised the, the faces that people make when, when, when we would tell them, hey, you, you don't got to pay us for cutting your yard. You don't got to pay us for doing this. We just want to do it because we love the community, because we love you and your family. And, and really? No, no, no. Like, what's the fine print? Like, okay, the, is there a camera around here? It's just because we want to connect with you. It's because we want to show you that we care. In the book of Luke chapter 19 Again, Jesus being the ultimate connector. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, there is a story of a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Scripture says, and we're not going to read it all, but I do want to just summarize it. The Scripture says, 1 through 10, that there was Jesus with a multitude of people walking into a particular town. And there was so much people that... You know, people were trying to get to closer to Jesus. One man in particular, his name was Zacchaeus, who want, wanted to get to know Jesus, wanted to get to where Jesus was at, and yet he couldn't because of his height. He, the Bible says he was a short man. He figured, you know what, let me, let, me, let, me, let me see what I can do. Now, this man was a tax collector. In those times in particular, the, his profession wasn't, uh, it was a profession to be frowned upon. It wasn't something that, that people, you, you didn't enjoy going to the tax collector. They were often known as, as stealing from the people and overcharging and things like that and just robbing from the other people. This man saying, well, you know what, I need to get to Jesus, but I can't. Let me see what I can do. He saw a tree and figured, you know what, let me climb a tree to see if I can get to Jesus. The Bible says that he climbed up this tree and that Jesus saw Zacchaeus in the tree. Now, as a parenthesis here in this particular passage, I do want to make you aware of something. Again, he couldn't see Jesus. Why? Not even maybe because of his height necessarily, but because there was people in his way. Who were those people? The followers. People following Jesus. Just as a parenthesis, church, I want to encourage you and make you aware of this, that we would need to be careful that as we follow Jesus, we're not blocking others from getting to Jesus. That we are not stopping others from getting to where Jesus is at, but rather we're not being obstacles, but rather connectors. We're not being obstacles, rather we're saying, hey, let me help you get to where Jesus is at. As we follow God, that we're looking to see who, who else we can bring along in this journey. The Bible says that when Jesus saw Zacchaeus into the, in the tree, the Bible doesn't say that he, he, Jesus began to preach to him right there. 
The Bible doesn't say that he began to tell him, hey, you need to fix your life, man. And while you're up there, cut the yard. I don't know. Like, like he, didn't, he didn't, you know, begin to give him instructions other than, hey, come down because I want to go to your house today. Hey, let's spend some time together. In other words, let's connect. The correction was going to come later. But, hey, let's connect right now. The Bible says he came down and they went and they had time there in his house. And then there's a gap. There's, the Bible doesn't have the verses there of what happened inside necessarily, but the Bible does say that afterward his life was changed. Man, I wish I would know what happened in that room. What did they eat? You know, the Bible says that Zacchaeus came out, his life was changed. And to the point where he was like, you know, I'm going to give back everything I've ever taken. I'm going to repay multiple times more anybody that I've ever still, uh, taken anything from. And his life was changed forever. In Luke 9, let me just read verse 10. The Bible says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. That was his ultimate reason why he connected with people. And as we connect with others, we'll begin to see them getting connected to God as well. The second thing that we can do to share our faith is share your story with people. The statement here isn't, do you have a story? No, the question is, what is your story? You have a story. I have a story. And, and, and the best tip that I could probably give you when it comes to sharing of your faith is, is please don't go around uh, life or your daily walk and just call out people on all the mistakes that they have and how they need to change. That's probably not the most effective way to win people to God. There's actually not a verse that says, hey, walk around and just tell everybody what's wrong with them. There's not a verse like that. But what we can do is share what, uh, share our story, share what God has done in our lives and look for those opportunities to be his witnesses. A witness is simply one who, who tells their side of the story. Whenever there's a court case, you have different characters in the room, one of them most likely is going to be the witness, and they'll call him or her up to the stand, and they'll say, hey, what did you see? What did you feel? What did you hear? You were there, so what happened? And that is a witness. Witnessing is not necessarily an activity, but rather a witness is a person. Witnessing doesn't just happen on first uh, Saturdays of the month. It happens every day that we, that every, every day of our lives if we wanted it to. Because it's us. It's who we are. And we've got to look for those opportunities to share our faith with others. And maybe you're here right now and you're thinking, well, I really don't have that interesting of a story. Or I've never, I haven't done anything crazy. You don't have to make up a story. Don't add to your story if that's not really what happened to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't got to make it, you don't got to exaggerate. You don't got to, you don't got to say certain things to make it seem like just whatever has happened in your life, share that. And an additional tip when it comes to sharing of your faith, it would be a phenomenal idea for you and I to practice sharing of our faith and condensing it down to two minutes. So that when somebody says, hey, well, tell me about, tell me about what God's done in your life, we'd be able to have that story ready. Mine in particular is I did grow up in the things of God. I grew up in church. My parents were pastors. They currently are pastors in South Texas. But yet, even at a young age, I would go to church primarily because my parents made me. It wasn't a question. It was what we had to do. I mean, we were there every Sunday, every Wednesday, and any time there was any other activities there at the church. 
But growing up in that lifestyle, growing up in that routine, I began to notice a pattern that I was doing it because my parents were telling me to. I was getting caught up in the work of church. I was, got, I was getting caught up in the activity of church, but, but the personal connection wasn't there. And it wasn't until one particular day, I remember clearly it was a back-to-school rally. I was, I was right about to go back to school, and, and me and my best friend, we, we kind of looked at each other and said, dude, we need to do this. Like, I don't know if we've ever done this before. And we went up to the altar, and we gave our hearts to Jesus, and, 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 and now my life's message is that Christianity is, is not a religion, but rather it's a person. And that's my story, and you have a story, and this world needs to hear about, 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 about what God has done in your life. The Bible says, be ready for when people have a question for you. The third thing that we can do to be able to share our faith is invite them to a place where they can experience God. Invite them into a place where they can experience God, a place where they can have a face-to-face encounter with God. If you've noticed, if you've been coming for a couple of Sundays or months now, you, you've probably realized that we won't, uh, we don't call our church services church services, but rather, if you go to our website or you might hear somebody uh, mention it from, from the pulpit, we're going to say uh, worship experience because this is, uh, this is an encounter. This is, uh, this is a place where you get to have that, that face-to-face encounter with God. You don't need more church necessarily in your life. What you need is more of God in your life. You need a, a, a greater encounter, a greater experience of God in your life. Because just coming and just clapping and singing, that's not, that, that, that's not all to this. It's God becoming real on a one-to-one basis in your life. There was an individual by the name of Paul in the New Testament. He was one who, who would kill Christians. He was one who, 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 would, who would persecute the church, the early church. But after one encounter that he had with Jesus, his life was changed forever. Can I encourage somebody here today who maybe has a friend or, or, or a loved one who doesn't have a relationship with God, all it takes is one encounter that their life will change forever. All it takes is one touch of God, one word of God that their life will change forever. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, this is Paul speaking here. And this is after his life has been radically changed by God. It says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, I didn't try to impress you with Paul's speeches or the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First Jesus and who he is, then Jesus and what he did, Jesus crucified. I was unsure of how to go about this and felt totally inadequate. I was scared to death, if you want to know the truth. And so nothing I said could have impressed you or anyone else, but the message came through anyway. This is is so good right here. God's spirit and God's power did it. 
It was God's spirit and God's power that did it, which made it clear that your life of faith is a response to God's power, not to some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anyone else. What's going to make the absolute difference in your life, in my life, and of those we're trying to reach, it's not the lights, it's not the fog, it's not the instruments. Rather, it's the spirit of almighty God and his power becoming real in their lives. That is what's going to make all the difference. And in the Greek, the, the phrase there, God's spirit, the word uh, spirit, it, it means breath of fresh air. Like, I don't know, maybe you, you, you've been in a place where you couldn't breathe all too well and then you walk outside. Or maybe you're underwater and you try to hold your breath and, and now you, you finally come above and you know, now I can breathe again. Now I, I, I can do this. That people would be able to experience that here when they come in and, 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 and as they're living life and, and maybe, you know, struggles with this world or trying to take their breath away. But as they would come into this place, that this would be a place known, a place where you can experience God and receive that new or a fresh breath of fresh air. There's been testimonies of people who've come to the church for so many reasons. One man in particular, one who, who continues to come. He just says, it's just something about the worship. There's something about praise and worship, something about the music. Uh, you know, I, growing up, I, I struggled. I was, I, was, I was discouraged. I was oppressed. I was, I was depressed. I, I was just, I, I've tried medicine. I've tried counseling. I've tried so many things. But there's something about worship. There's something about being in here that changed my life forever. And when you think about it, if people really knew what we know about God, they wouldn't be quick to say no. But what something I've come to realize is, is that a lot of times why people might say no to God or the things of God is simply because they have the wrong information in their head. It's almost like you inviting someone to play basketball and, they, and them responding, no, I don't want to play basketball. Basketball hurts. I hate it when they tackle me and the helmet fits so tight. Kind of looking at them like, what? What are you playing? Extreme basketball, you know, like that, that's not bad. It's football. Oh, kind of the same way. Or well, I don't go to church. I don't. I don't love. I don't. I don't do this God thing because because of this and this and that. When you know, we're, the Bible doesn't say that. Oh, and sometimes people are just they have the wrong information in their mind. And again, we 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 just need to clear up those wrong pictures of God for them. Even Jesus had to do this with his disciples. In the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 27 through 29, the Bible says the following, Jesus said, or rather, Jesus and his disciples went on to a village around Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Their answers were all over the place. But what about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. I know who you are. You are the Christ. And Christ means the anointed one. He had the right picture of God. He had the right information about God. And sometimes people simply are saying no because they have the wrong picture of God. And instead of seeing God as the anointed one or the one who's the answer for their life or the, the savior of this world, they see God as a locked gate. 
That's a locked gate or a door that they arrive to, but, but it's almost like God can't be reached. I, I can only get so far, but, but I, that's it. I can't, I can't touch him. I can't get close to him. And that's absolutely not true. Have you ever arrived somewhere to only find out when you got there that you didn't have the key to get in? Oh, man, isn't that the worst? Uh, it, had, it actually happened to us a, uh, just a few days ago, just in this whole process of moving. And I showed up to our apartment there in Miami, and I'm, like, ready. I had just been driving from Orlando, and, and I had all the bags because, you know, you don't want to take too many trips up and down. And back in Miami, we were living on the eighth floor, and so you just want to just take everything all at once and get inside and relax. And then, I, side note, I had to use the restroom as well, and so I, had, I was a man on the mission and I walk up there, and my wife's not home. I take out the keys, and the home, the house key is not on my keychain. Because we were going to turn them in, right? And so I didn't need it anymore, but I still needed it that day. And it's the worst feeling ever. You know, now I got to decide, what do I do? Do I stay here? Do I go back down? Do I go to a gas station? What, what's going to happen? How, how far are you, babe? And all this stuff. Some people see God as, you know what, I, I, it's just I... I I, I can see God at a distance, but he's far. He, it's almost as if he's playing hide and seek. And, and, it's interest, and it's interesting that Acts 17, 27 in the message version says, he doesn't, he referring to Jesus, he doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote, but rather he's near. God is not far off in the heavens and, and super far away that we'll, our prayers will never reach him or that he doesn't care about the details of our life. He's very much interested in the details of your life. He's very close. Scripture, uh, scripture also says, confirms itself, that he's close to the brokenhearted. He's not far from us, but rather he's near and he's accessible to everyone. Some other people might see God as simply a pile of luggage uh, you know, saying that, you know what, I have so much baggage in my life. I have so many issues in my life. Maybe I need to get things right first, and then I can come to God because there's no way he would want me. I'm just too bad of a person. Can I tell you that God is not disturbed by your baggage? God is not mad at you. Rather, he's mad in love with you. He absolutely loves you. He, too much, so much to the point that he gave his only son for you and for me over 2,000 years ago. And he, he not only was beaten and crucified and put into a tomb, but three days later came back to life. And today is alive and offers a relationship with each and every one of us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I love, and I'm so thankful that God, while he was carrying that cross, he, he, he didn't say, well, well, you know, let me first make sure that they're going to, make sure that, that they're going to accept me or they're going to change from their certain ways or let me wait for them to start living right. But that didn't happen. As the Bible says, that as we were yet still sinners, he died for us and he took our place He's not a bag of, of luggage. He's not just a pile of luggage that we've got to get rid of first before we come to him. He'll accept us just the way we are. There are some other people who might see him as an endless ladder. In other words, meaning, man, there's just so much work. God requires so much from my life that there's so much I got to do to keep going higher. In the book of John, chapter 6, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, then they asked him, 
what must we do to do the works God requires, Jesus answered. And this is what, this is what he responded. The work of God is to do this, to believe in the one he has sent. This is what, this, if you want to talk about work, this is all that God requires, that you would simply believe. Now, there might be some people in here who say, but what about, isn't there like another verse that says, uh, you know, faith without works is dead? Yes, there is. But that is after you get saved, not how you get saved. All he requires for you to just uh, accept him as your personal Lord and Savior is for you to simply believe. Because there are things that God wants to do in our life, but it's not so much that he will like us more. He already loves you. He's already full in love with you. He doesn't have love. He is love. I mean, he just, you're, you're it. But we don't do those things so that he will like us more, that we will be approved by him. We do it because, we, we do it because now, it's our, now it's our privilege to serve one another, but it's not a requirement for us to initially come to God. Our job is to clear up the, the negative pictures or the wrong pictures that people might have about God in their lives. Let me tell you about the true picture. The true picture of God is that he is a free gift. In, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is, this is one of those uh, just because gifts. Have you ever got one of those? A just because gift? Like it's not your anniversary. Like man, uh, husband, you didn't do anything wrong. You know, like, like uh, it's not no one's birthday. Like it's just a just because gift. Those are the unexpected gifts. Those are the ones you weren't really waiting for. You just kind of show up at your desk, and, and there's, there's a dozen roses there. Or there's a box of chocolates, or, or they did something for you. It's just a just-because gift. The Bible says that he is a free gift for us. We don't have to do anything to earn it. We can't do anything to earn it. Again, we were lost. We, uh, we, we fail in comparison to God's power and be able to ever to achieve what he did for us. All we've got to do is accept it, and all we've got to do is share our story with the world. Maybe there's some people here, and maybe you're one of these, uh, maybe you're one of the, the people who asked this question, and, and maybe you've been wondering, like, I don't know if I can do this or not. I'm, re- I'm going to say this in closing. I'm reminded of, the sto- of a story of a young boy who one day received a, a flyer from school, and it was announcing that the circus was coming into town in a couple of weeks. Man, his face just lit up like nothing before, and and took that little flyer back to home to his dad and asked the dad, hey, dad, can you please take me this? I, I know you're busy. I know you work, but can you take me to this circus, please? I, I've really never been to before. The dad said, absolutely, sure. He saved the date, and the weeks went by. And, and typically, you know, in the morning, it might be difficult to wake up some of the smaller children. But on this particular day, this kid had needed no help waking up or getting ready. I mean, his shirt was on backwards, but, hey, he had it on. The dad got ready. They took off early to the circus, and they began to have so much fun. They were all over the place. They had a little map, and they were playing the games and eating cotton candy and getting on the rides. But at one particular time, he knew that at noon, 
He needed to be in the center of this place where the large uh, circus tent was. Because at this particular time, there was going to be a huge show, and this is really what he wanted to experience. This is really what he wanted to see. And so he got there early. He was able to get some great seats right there in the front. And just minutes before the lights are about about to shut off and, and everything's going to begin to play, the ringmaster, the man in charge, comes out, and he says something along the lines of, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and this little kid's like, oh, man, it's about to happen. I apologize, but today's show is going to have to be canceled. And this little kid's heart just broke. You saw some, some people saying some comments around, around the arena. I mean, they didn't know what was happening. We apologize. We normally start with this procession, and, and there is a line of people who, who come out, and, and the instruments and the animals. We do this huge show, but today we unfortunately can't do this. And so you'll get your money back as, as you leave, and you'll be able to come back on a later date. But then it like a light bulb just kind of went off in his head and he said, but unless there's anybody here who can actually maybe play a trumpet maybe, because that's what we're missing. That's the piece that's missing for us to actually complete this line. And he said, does anybody here know how to play a trumpet? And he kind of looked around and, and he didn't see a hand, but then he finally, he finally found a hand and, and this hand happened to be a small hand. And this small hand happened to be sitting in the very front row. And, and this small uh, hand sitting in the front row was this little boy. And when people saw his hand go up, man, they got excited. They got happy. The dad got a little surprised. He's like, really? You, you know how to? Okay, whatever. You know? The ringmaster said, excellent. Come on, son. Let me, let's take you to the back. Let's get ready. You guys just hang on just a few more minutes. We'll get this show started here in a few. They took him to the back. Put him a little uniform on. The hat could barely stay above his head. He gave him a trumpet, gave him some notes, told him, hey, look, when you come out, again, you're going to be leading everybody, so just be watchful, okay? But look, when you arrive to this, uh, this particular object, make a left, and people are going to follow you, and then the clowns are going to stay there, but then you need to come back. And so they gave him these instructions. They asked him, you got it? Got it. Light shut off. One spotlight comes out, and this little boy is in the front of this line. He was not expecting this to happen today, but now he's here. And when the cue hits, he begins to play that trumpet as loud as he can. Not the way you're supposed to play, as you could probably imagine. I mean, I don't think he even hit one note right. And then when it was time for him to turn, he even turned the wrong way. And so now you had some people following him, but then you had some other people going the right way. I mean, it was a disaster. The animals, when, when they were supposed to stop, something, somebody else was there. It was just chaos. I mean, people were kind of asking questions, kind of leaving, getting mad. The clowns started crying. I mean, it was, a, it was chaos here. This ringmaster, he's seeing this unfold and just happen all in front of him. Doesn't know what else to do. He says, stop, 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 stop this little boy to the side and he said how how could you I, I you raised your hand were you stretching I mean like what happened you I asked if anyone could play and you said you raised your hand and and now look look outside people are leaving this is this is my reputation on the line this little kid was sincerely just saddened 
It wasn't his intention for this to happen. And the only thing that he could say back to this man when this man said, what do you have to say for yourself? This little boy looked up at this man with tears in his eyes and simply said, sir, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I didn't know that I didn't, I, I didn't know that I didn't know how to play the trumpet until I tried. I didn't know that I couldn't play the trumpet until I tried. Maybe there's some people here who you've heard before or you're hearing it today that, hey, God wants to use your life to reach others for him. I'm here to ask you the question, how do you know God can't use you unless you try? How do you know you can't, how do you know people won't respond to you unless you open up your mouth? How do you know they're going to say no if you don't even ask? How do you know that your story won't change somebody's life forever? How do you even know one, how do you know God won't heal them if you don't just even pray for them? And we kind of become these mind readers and we begin to you say, we know what, God wouldn't use that person. God wouldn't save that person or God can't do this. God's God's saying, hey, your work is to believe. Your work is, I'll take care of the rest. You go, you go into all the world and tell them about the good news. I invite you to stand up with me this afternoon. How do you know? Unless you try. Again, we are super proud as your pastors you would even ask this question, how can I share my faith? We can connect and share our story, invite people to a place where they can experience God. I want to pray for you that as we would leave from this place later on today, our eyes would be open to those opportunities that God would make available for us to share our faith with one another. As you would go to work, that you would go to school, as you would go spend time with your family, or even as you're just eating out somewhere, your eyes and our spirits would be open to, hey, we can tell this world about Jesus. I invite you to close your eyes with me at this time. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. We believe that there is nobody like you, and we just ask, God, that you would open up our hearts and open up our spirits, God, that you would use our lives in a very special way. No longer will we say one day, but rather we will say today. No longer will we say what if, but we will say, let's do this now. No longer will we say, you somebody else, but God, we've understood today that, hey, you are a free gift that this world needs to know about And we are your ambassadors. We are your representatives to go and spread the good news. Father, I pray, God, that you would use my life. I pray, God, that you would use every single person's life in this room, those watching online, and even those listening through the podcast, God. That you would use our life, God, with our family, with our friends, even strangers that we might come across, Lord. Whether it's across the sea or across the street, God. But that you would use our life to share the good news of you, God. From this day forward, use our life in a very special way. We love you and we thank you. And as your eyes stay closed, maybe there's some people here today who, you know, you you walked in just wanting to have your own experience with God. We we don't want to close out this service without giving you an opportunity to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. 
began over 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross for you and for me, not because we were perfect, but because he loved us. And today he says, you don't got to get right to come to me. You just need to come to me. And today, if you understand, if you feel that, hey, you're far from God and you don't want to stay like that, you want to draw near to him, I'm going to invite you that on the count of three, you would lift up your hand high as a sign saying, hey, I'm coming home today. Hey, I'm coming back to Jesus today. Even if you're watching online or you're listening on the podcast and, and this is you, I want you to make a physical just movement. Just lift up your hand on the count of three saying, God, this is me. I'm, give, I'm returning my heart back to you. One, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Two, don't wait for your neighbor or someone else to do this with you. This is between you and God. Three, do it right now. Just lift up your hand as high as possible. And all together, all together, I want us to repeat this prayer out loud. Say, dear Jesus, say, dear Jesus, we thank you for this day. I invite you to my life and ask God that you would forgive me. I understand I am not perfect, but you are. From this day forward, I declare that I will never be the same. I receive you into my life. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you put your hands together for all those people who made that prayer today? Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message has encouraged you to go out and share your faith. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. Our team will be ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com forward slash give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a blessed week.